As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Women have been giving birth for centuries, so it's a pretty natural experience, right? Wrong. I'm Stephanie King, professional doula, childbirth educator, and the creator of the My Essential Birth Course, the online childbirth education course that's helping women everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. Today's culture would have us think that birth should be treated like an illness or an emergency, and that most of us need other people telling us what's best for our bodies because we aren't the experts. So sit tight, because if you're tuning into this podcast, you'll probably start to believe in your body, your intuition, and find yourself empowered and confident to do what it takes to have the birth of your dreams. If you like listening to me take you through these weekly topics step-by-step, then you're going to love the My Essential Birth course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and definitely head over to myessentialbirth.com for the free downloads mentioned right here in these episodes and to join the birth course and community full of pregnant moms just like you. I have to add a disclaimer that I am not a medical professional and I cannot provide medical advice. All of the information expressed in this podcast are based off of personal, professional, and educational experiences and are my own opinions. Please work with a provider you trust for medical advice during your pregnancy and birth. Let's get things started this week with the reviewer of the week, who is Caitlin L. 2021. She says, absolutely love this podcast. My husband and I are hoping to get pregnant in the next year, and this podcast makes me so excited. When we started talking about having kids, I was nervous because I didn't know anything. Now I feel confident and like I know what I'm getting myself into. Oh, I love that so much. I also feel like I have options and there isn't one quote right way to give birth. I love that this podcast gives all of the options from crunchy to conventional, and I can't wait to be in the birth course one day in the future. Caitlin, I am so excited. Thank you for leaving this um, incredible testimonial. But also I feel like you get it. Like you get it and you're not even pregnant yet. If I, I feel like I could like copy paste that into the description of what I'm trying to do for this podcast every week. That was it. You're right. There's no one right way. And there are crunchy ways of doing things and conventional ways of doing things and left and right brain ways of doing things. Um, and that's going to flow not just through our pregnancy and birth, but into motherhood and life decisions. And it's okay to be completely different than the person sitting next to you. And so I hope that if you guys are listening, that it's not just Caitlin that's hearing it. Like, hear, hear ye this. <laughs> you know, this is the important stuff. Um, okay. For today's episode, So I know for you guys that are listening, um, and maybe you don't know yet, maybe you're pregnant and you just don't have all this information yet, but right after your baby is born, especially, there are several things that you're going to have to make decisions for. And it happens fast. And that's why it's really important to know about those things prior to uh, giving birth. And so that you have time to think about them, research them, get to know them a little bit better. And so one of those things that I'm going to talk about, and it's the thing that happens directly after your baby is born, like they come through the vaginal canal and boom, we are talking about, or cesarean birth, but boom, we are talking about delayed cord clamping or just any kind of cord clamping. Um, 
And I think while providers are hearing more and more this narrative from moms that, wait, I'd like to wait to clamp and cut the cord, it is still very much the norm in hospitals throughout the United States, uh, specifically that I'm talking about, that it is immediate. Like baby's born and it's like, okay, they're slippery, they're whatever, I have a good hold on them, good, let's clamp that thing. Uh, That is just the way that it happens unless you are saying otherwise and you've had that conversation with your provider before and you are in a position to make sure that you or someone on your birth team, meaning your birth partner, a nurse that you've talked to, your doula that's in the room, your mother that came with you is ready and willing to be able to say, oh, that wasn't part of her birth plan to have the cord clamped just yet. Uh, Should you choose to do something called delayed cord clamping, which is what we're going to talk about today. And in fact, specifically, we're going to talk about what are those pros and cons, or in other words, benefits and risks of doing something called delayed cord clamping, which is just like what it sounds. So let me talk about cord clamping just for a moment. Basically, when your baby is born, they are still connected through the umbilical cord to your placenta that is still inside of your body. So after you give birth to your baby, you will also have to give birth to the placenta. And that comes a little bit later. But in the meantime, once that baby's born, that umbilical cord is is still held on to your body through the placenta. It's held onto the placenta. And typically what's done is as soon as that baby is born, within 10 to 30 seconds, the clamp is put onto that umbilical cord that stops the flow of fluids and oxygen from baby to placenta and back and forth. There is kind of two-way stuff that is happening there. So when we talk about delayed cord clamping, and there are different amounts of times and different styles of this, so you'll have to be very specific when you speak with your provider. If you're just using delayed cord clamping, you want to get a little bit more narrow and talk about exactly what that means to them, how long, what the cord's going to look like, what's it going to be doing. That's going to be a conversation to have with your provider that you'll be prepared for by the end of this episode. Um, But delayed cord clamping can be anywhere from one to two minutes, up to five minutes, specifically in a hospital setting. And it depends on your provider, depends on the hospital, depends on who's attending your birth. And then if you're like in an out-of-hospital setting, that is pretty typical without having to have that conversation. Still, you want to have that conversation and let your provider know what you want on your birth plan. But that can be anywhere from you know, up to the five minutes, up to 10 minutes or even more. Some women choose to do something called a lotus birth where you actually leave the placenta completely attached by the umbilical cord. Um, and you can continue like until the umbilical cord falls off the baby, like you keep the placenta clean. I did not mean to get into this today, but if I said the words lotus birth, I have to tell you what it is. So, um, baby remains attached to placenta. And then until that umbilical cord falls off of baby in the meantime, mom is keeping the placenta clean and dry and next to the baby, obviously, at all times. So if you were curious about what that meant, now you know. Um, But typically what we're looking at, especially for out of hospital, is like the two to five minutes, probably closer to 10 as a really common way to handle delayed cord clamping. Um, That can happen in the hospital as well. I don't want to make it sound like that's not an option. It's just very common out of hospital for that to be the, the normal practice and not necessarily the normal practice for being in hospital. So there you have it. And this is kind of the important part. When baby is born, they still, they're missing, maybe I shouldn't say it like that, but it's kind of true. They're missing or they could have another one third of their blood volume. So a third of their blood volume, once they're born, is still in the placenta. With a delayed cord clamping, it allows through like uterine contractions, through the placenta pumping blood and oxygen, all of that cord blood or that blood can get to the baby 
through the cord from the placenta. And that's why uh, we're talking about things like delayed cord clamping. So let me tell you a little bit more about benefits because that kind of leads into this. Um, With that extra blood, you're going to get extra blood cells. So you've got that additional hemoglobin for baby. It is warm blood, which one of the issues that babies have right after they're born is regulating their body temperature. This is why you see providers as soon as the baby's born and they're clamped and cut, they throw them over to the warmer in order to be looked at and assessed and and get their little first checkup. But that doesn't necessarily have to happen or some of the benefits of letting the baby get that warm blood is for their body temperature. Um, On top of that, they're going to be attached to the umbilical cord, which means they're going to be really close to mom, which means they're going to end up on mom's belly or chest. And that is the best way that skin to skin to help regulate that body temperature. So it's all part of the benefits there. The other thing that they'll receive is still a small bit of oxygen. Yes, they have gone through the birth canal. They're not breathing water anymore. Um, they're breathing oxygen and no, they're not breathing water, but you get what I mean. That's what not what's going through their lungs anymore. It is air now, but some of that oxygen still gets to come through that placental, um, through the umbilical cord. The other thing is that they get an extra boost of iron and this iron, the iron benefits are, are from being able to get all of that blood are actually shown two to six months down the road, even up to a year as a benefit for baby. There's also a decreased need for blood transfusions for preterm infants, and this can be an issue. And so if you have a preterm baby, we say, you know, it's even better if they can get some of that extra blood, obviously, for this reason here. Um, Another thing is they have more stem cells, which can actually help with organ repair and supporting early immunity. That's something that I learned as I was reaching this or researching this. Um, Improved cardiovascular function. Studies have shown with this improved cardiovascular function um, that the delayed cord clamping improves blood flow to the brain and infants had improved cardiac output, meaning the amount of blood that the heart was pumping out was better with those that had the delayed cord clamping. And it can also reduce the risk of infection post-birth, things like sepsis and hospital-acquired infections, as well as very serious gut infections. So those are just some of the positives. I think when we're talking about mom and baby, some other benefits include um, mom not having to let go of that baby. Like there's no separation between mom and baby. I talked about the regulation of the body temperature, but we know that when baby is put on mom's Um, mom's um, belly or chest that they are able to not only regulate their body temperature, but they induce some of that, they get the oxytocin flowing, which is that bonding hormone, that love hormone. It's also going to increase the um, chance for the breasts to be able to like be stimulated and know that they're going to be making milk. All of that is really, really good. Um, On top of the fact that it's just really comforting for mom to be able to see and touch and hear and and just see what's going on with her baby. So um, it's kind of not the physiological norm, if you think of of it, of a baby to be born, whether you're talking animal kingdom or just human kingdom, um, for a baby to be born and to be whisked away and completely separated from mom, like it almost incites a panic at times. And that's a natural reaction. So if you think of those like just keeping things normal, comfortable, close by, safe, then obviously that's going to be a benefit to mom. And with that, some of the things that we hear about as a concern, for example, is, well, what if my baby needs, um, you know, needs something very serious right after birth? And they've shown, even if you have meconium aspiration, meaning you had meconium, um, 
in your water and that broke and your baby, like this is before your baby's born and they went through. So there's meconium that comes out with the baby and that's meconium is just the baby's first poop, but they're concerned about meconium aspiration. So meconium on itself, on its own is really not a risk at all. It's not a big deal. But if that baby inhales the meconium, then it can cause an infection in the lungs and that's where it does become a concern. But even if, like the studies have shown, even if baby aspirates meconium, they can still be um, taken care of on mom's belly or chest while they are attached to the umbilical cord, and that can be a benefit to them. Same thing for neonatal resuscitation. Some of this is really going to come down to convenience for care providers, for the neonate team, um, whoever is going to be involved in that. And so if this is very important to you, then it's very important that you discuss these things with the hospital, with the neonate team, with the care provider prior to giving birth, especially if you're in a hospital setting. Um, these things, again, if you are out of hospital, whether that's birth center or at home, tend to be a little more natural. That's just kind of what they do. They're not going to be looking to clamp and cut and get baby away. All of that stuff is typically, again, the norm done on your belly or chest. So just something to keep in mind. But for the sake of being fair, let's go over the risks or cons that are associated with delayed core clamping. So first of all, there is a slight increased risk of jaundice. And I do say slight, not because I want you to do delayed cord clamping, but because it is a slight risk of jaundice. Um, and so that's where they have too much bilirubin in their blood. They get that kind of like yellowing on their skin and in their eyes. Sometimes they need to be under bilirubin lights. Um, what it really is, is an increase too much of a volume of blood for the liver to be able to handle. And so then we have some of these medical issues that need to be taken care of, but it is a slight in um, increased risk. And so that is important for you to be aware of. There's also a risk of polysemia. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, but it's having a high concentration of red blood cells in your blood and it causes a sluggishness of the, the moving of the blood within the veins within the body, within the baby. Another con that can go along with that is having to fight your provider on it. So if your provider and you are not seeing eye to eye, it might cause a little bit of tension. You might have to get your birth partner involved. You might feel that kind of like weirdness afterwards to really have to fight to get what you want. That's why it's really important to have the conversation prior. Make sure you're with a good provider. Make sure you're in a hospital setting that's going to support that. All of those things if you can. Um, that's why we say talk about it prior. And then I want to include just a couple of things really quick. And I know I don't have like a very long list of cons because those are kind of the two main ones. Um, but if for some, I think this is kind of the indication of like, uh oh, these things might not be for you. Um, and that would be if your baby is born needing immediate medical care. Now I talked about the neonatal resuscitation. I talked about the meconium aspiration. Those are a couple of those normal things. But if there's something bigger there, baby comes out blue, they're not breathing the what whatever, even if um, it just depends, like I said, the comfort of your neonate team, but also the situation. So if there is something that indicates like we've got to get baby figured out right now, that could be a reason. And again, even if just for the comfort of some of the people in the room to be able to take care of that baby right away, um, that can include also, if you know, your baby's going to be born with serious defects or things like that, um, depending on the situation, once they're born, I'd say it's in the rare side of things, like very, very rare side of things that they would need to be, um, clamped and cut right away still. But if that's the comfort level of everyone um, or what's decided at the time, then that could be the case. If mom is experiencing like extreme hemorrhaging postpartum, 
Um, the doctor needs to be able to get in there and assess and, and take care of the situation. And it could just be a little bit too crazy again with baby there. Um, particularly with moms who have the hemorrhaging where they're like, you know, getting ready to pass out or next to passing out. Um, or sometimes they do pass out postpartum, you know, there are other things involved there, um, where that could be a benefit or make more sense to not do the delayed cord clamping. And then obviously it's not for you if you choose to not do the delayed cord clamping, which again is totally your choice, a conversation to have with your birth partner and your provider. Um, I'm just here to make sure that you have all the information so you can make an informed decision. Last thing I want to talk about is how it's done and why this matters, because there are a couple different ways that it could be done. So the, if you plan to have delayed cord clamping, and again, this will be something to bring up with your provider. I would ask them, how do you do delayed cord clamping? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because there is kind of the like waiting and leave it alone. So baby's born, they get, you know, kind of like cleaned up for a sec, put on mom's belly, and you guys are just sitting and waiting. Um, and really what there are some different kind of like I talked about the 30 to 60 seconds versus the like um, one to two minutes to five minutes to 10. If the longer that you wait, and it takes about five minutes, but it can be a little bit longer. In fact, I have um, I have been present when cords actually don't stop pulsating until after 30 minutes. Doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, this baby is like receiving all of this benefit that they would in those first couple of minutes, but it doesn't mean that they're not getting anything either. Um, but with that in mind, the idea is to allow the cord which it will be nice and thick. Um, and you can kind of see through it a little bit. Like the cord itself is pretty white, but in the middle there will be blood, which looks like dark blue. And so once that kind of dark blue goes away, or in other words, that cord becomes white. And when you feel it, you can kind of like pinch on the cord a little bit. You can feel that heartbeat that is happening. That's how the blood is getting transferred through that, through our, um, you know, beating system. Um, once that is done pulsating and it's white, that's when we say, okay, that's really good. Let's clamp and cut. And that can happen around five minutes. Um, but before that it may or may not. And what can happen once baby's born and you're waiting for all that to, to go down is maybe your provider is talking to you about the birth. I, I mean, I've been at all different kinds of births and this is like the fun part of it. When mom chooses to do the delayed cord clamping and it's handled well, it's like doctors telling them, you know, oh, you did such a good job. And it was that as easy as you thought it was going to be. And everybody jokes about, you know, all the labor stuff. Meanwhile, he's taking a look at downstairs and checking for tears and assessing hemorrhaging um, or just bleeding in general. He's cleaning things up, all of those kinds of things. That's kind of the ideal of how you would want it handled. The other thing though, the other kind of side of thing that I want you to be um, aware of is something called cord milking. Now, I don't think this is a good idea for a couple of reasons, but the main one being, well, I'll give you two. <laughs> Once that baby's born and say you wanted to do, to do delayed cord clamping, they'll do something called milking the cord. So they'll hold onto the cord close to your vaginal area and pull on it or milk it towards the baby. Hopefully that's giving you the right visual. In other words, they're trying to push that blood quicker from the placenta to the baby um, so it gets there faster so they can clamp and cut quicker. I look at that and I think two things. One, physiologically, that's not how it should be handled. That doesn't make sense. That's not how the placenta works. It doesn't need our assistance. It's going to do what it's going to do naturally at the rate that it's supposed to. That is my opinion. The second part of that is think of this tiny little baby and 
we're waiting for another third of the blood volume to come through to this baby. In the meantime, you have somebody shoving it very quickly into that body. And I think kind of the overload that that has to do to the heart um, and just overload in general is probably not good. Um, And I can't say one way or the other that we notice, you know, babies that have the cord milked versus don't. I haven't looked into the research on that. But I will say just the like general thought of it when you think of that happening and what it would do to a baby, I don't think that that is a very good idea. So if you are planning to do delayed cord clamping, I highly recommend that you do not do the milking of the cord, which is very common for providers. I don't know why. I don't know why it, it feels like it's such a rushed thing, like we've got to get this baby, you know, you know, figured out and off of this. Um, because I've seen babies that are still attached to the placenta when they come out and they're just fine. Like I just don't see a big rush in it. So um, that's kind of my, some of my personal opinion, but I know it's not just mine. Now, Uh, I have included in this episode, in the show notes, I'm going to give you a link to ACOG, which is the American Academy of Obstetrics and Gynecology. They give some recommendations. um, And I know that that's something that you can easily talk to your provider about. They're aware of ACOG. Uh, They should know the information. And if not, then you'll have the freshest information available to them. World Health Organization uh, has a, a couple of recommendations on that as well. And so those are a couple of resources that you guys can use and bring to your provider to be able to have uh, an educated discussion. Uh, the other thing I'm going to include is a video by Penny Simpkin. I love this video. She shows you very visually with some water bottles and a baby, um, not a real baby, but a cute little fake baby nonetheless. She kind of shows you that like, here is how much blood. It's about 450 milliliters of blood that baby should have after birth and that a third of that is still in the placenta and that if you wait, that other third kind of comes back through. So I think it's a really good visual. She has a couple of facts and stuff that she talks about in there. Um, Penny Simkin is just a really, really neat lady to follow anyway. So you might get stuck on her YouTube channel or maybe some of her websites. Um, she is the, the one that wrote The Birth Partner, which is a great book for you and your birth partner to read. And I will put a link in the show notes for that as well. Um, and yeah, hopefully that gives you guys some ideas behind delayed cord clamping, pros and cons, how to have a conversation with your provider, different ways and means that you can have it done. And it'll give you a chance to think about how you would like to handle that for yourself. That's it for this week, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications first as I drop new episode every week. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for all of the free downloads mentioned here and to join the birth course and community serving pregnant moms just like you. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I would love it if you would take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one and include one at the beginning of each episode. See you next week.